Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are here with none other than the best panel in all of podcasting. And I'm going to start with our host slash moderator slash the guy that keeps this thing ticking, Country Club Kobe. I mean, what's up, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Sports on all night. Talking with YouTube bozos right now. Yep. The bozos parts is definitely the best. And contrary to everyone's popular belief, Country Club Kobe has a couple teams in the fantasy uh, playoffs. Fantasy football, that is. So I'm shocked by that. And then Mr. Tardy today, Dan Dank Wagers on Twitter. What up? up? How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. It's freaking hot in this studio. You might see some beads of sweat running down my face, and it's surprisingly not because I'm sweating out and heavyweight over or something like that. It's just (laughs) freaking hot in here. Speaking of heavyweights overs, we could recap maybe the worst bet of our lives, but that'll come up in just one second. Before we get there, if you want to see the beaded sweat on Dan's forehead, go over to YouTube. We're, we've been posting clips up there. Every subscriber helps, obviously. So Please like, please subscribe. It's free. Yeah. Go down there. Hit yep. the buttons. If please you help us out. audio, do your thing, but video is where it's at. All right. Now let's get into the, the meat of this. We're going to start with UFC Orlando. No. We're going to start with UFC 282. I don't know why is it UFC in Orlando. UFC 282 recap. And there will be a lot here. So I'm going to try to weave my way around a lot of this shit because there's a lot to talk about. And Kobe gets mad if we spend too much time. And you, you, can't, you can't piss off Country Club. Um, okay, let's start with Cam Saman. Cam, Cameron uh, Saman finishes Stephen Coslo in pretty good fashion after having an illegal knee and a point taken away. The reason why I want it, 50K, Kobe's got it. 50K for, for the young gun, and that's why I want to mention it. He's 21 years old. Dan, I was saying to people that I was watching with, I believe he'll be a champion one day. What's your thoughts wow. on that take? I, I think it's hot as hell, but that's, that's why you're here then listening to the Ankle Pick Pod for, for these hot takes from Reese, and Reese has been on it before. I mean, he, you remember – Reese Pulfer was banging the drum for Marab before he'd even signed for the UFC. So Reese knows his prospects. Marab. Yeah, that, and, and I get, I get that from Dan, but co- the thing with Cameron Saman that impressed me, Steven Coslow was grappling the shit out of him and he never panicked. His scrambles were always, I don't want to say he was one move ahead of Coslow. And I don't also, we can't gauge because how good is Coslow in the grand scheme of things, but I felt very comfortable watching him inside those scrambles. And then obviously on the feet, he's very talented. But what I, my biggest takeaway is this kid is 21 years old. Insane to me. And we're actually going to get to someone even younger. So I'm going to mention this fight because I'm pretty sure a bonus might be attached. TJ Brown. Yeah. 50K. 50K for TJ Brown. Arm triangle over Eric Silva. Dan. James Krause, the aforementioned Voldemort, what 
what camp was he supposed to be in tj browns um or eric Silver? Uh, yeah i think so tj brown maybe because that's always going to throw a wrench into these ones i'm, I'm not sure i don't remember billy quarantillo ko standing ko punches alexander hernandez 50k 50K well-deserved. Billy got split open bad in the first. And, Dan, I think your breakdown was Billy is going to put it on, look for a live bet spot. Yes, sir. And it was up to plus 200 after that first round. I was sitting there with Kobe, and I said, this is the spot. This is the spot. You jump on Billy Q, 30 minutes – or not 30 minutes, three minutes later, uh, Billy Q's finishing him. And what's so crazy is our punchline for the podcast is it pays to listen – Well, it also pays just to be on the panel up here because I got plus 200 that in between round one over on DraftKings due to your breakdown. But I think the big takeaway here, Billy Q, durable, is an exciting fighter. But Alexander Hernandez, would he be better off at 55? Where do you go next if you're Alexander Hernandez? Because I don't think – I think if he got cut and found himself on the regional scene, he would dominate. I, I think he's still very talented. But, I mean, in his last five, last six you fights. You know where he'd he fit in really well is on that PFL roster. Ooh, he would. He could make a he, run He'd be that a great league. matchup for guys like Bubba Jenkins and Brendan Lofting and Chris Wade. He, he'd fit right in. That'd be a great spot. That would be a great spot for him. We'll, we'll tune in on his career. He might go back up to 55. We'll obviously be – it'll be in news and notes if he does get a pink slip. Chris Curtis. Man, I forgot how many finishes there were. Left 50K. Home. 50K well-deserved. This one was crazy. He we, we can keep doing the Kobe 50K alert, but I think Dana said that every finish got a bonus. Is this fact? Right. Um, we're still plus doing a, plus a fight of the night. We're that still doing the, the finish, so I'll get that. We're still doing the fifty k, but Chris Curtis had a this check left hook that landed straight on the nose, right on the button. Uh, Buckley fell, finished it off, and this one surprised me, Dan, because I didn't bet it, but I leaned Buckley. I, I really did. I, I this one kind of came out of a surprise for me, Chris Curtis. PFL veteran who I believe, yeah, one in three in the PFL gets signed on a super short notice to fight for the UFC and has just, I mean, he is a new man. Phil Hawes defeated, Brennan Allen defeated, Adolfo Vieira defeated, and now he adds Joaquin Buckley to his hit list. It, it's impressive what this 35 year old's doing. I cannot, I do not want to sell that short. I'm round of applause to Chris Curtis. Yeah, the one thing that surprised me here was this, I, I was a little bit more leaning the Curtis side and, side, and I was surprised um, by his output. He, for mm-hmm. me, lost the first one for sure. Um, and until he really landed that straight left, I thought he was losing the fight. I was impressed from Buckley. Yeah, he – oh, from Buckley? Impressed from Buckley, yeah, for a minute and a half or whatever, round and a half. I keep yeah jumbling up my times here. Well, it just shows it's a dangerous game, man. Anyone can get caught. Edmund Shabazian back in the win column. 50K. 50K. And what's crazy about this one that I want to mention is, and I know Kobe's going to probably touch on it in news notes, uh, Dolce did get the pink slip. Lugian Bula is gone. But Edmund Shabazian trained with uh, Ronda Rousey's camp, and this is his first fight after the switch. He now fights at Extreme Couture. 
I think. Yes. And confirmed. And he did he did go up against a bunch of killers. Derek Brunson, Jack Hermanson, Nasruddin Mimovov is ridiculous competition. But to get back in that win column as a 25-year-old, I really like what I saw. This felt really good. As a fan of Edmund, I, I, it was in a couple of my parlays. I think yours as well. Definitely. Um, but this felt good. From a fan of the sport, it's good to see a guy who's been beaten up, been beaten down, get back on that winning track. And it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be really cool in four or five fights to look back on that losing streak and, and what he learned as, as such a young fighter. Um, this is another guy who I think we could see holding gold. I, before this performance, I would have said, I don't know. Is he, it, it, has he gone on a, um, a Dominic Reyes type skid? But after how he looked against a very powerful, Lugimbula, it's definitely trending in the right direction. So this one I'm scared to recap because it's so fucking embarrassing for us, the ankle pickers. But Jarzinho, Biggie Boy, Rose, and Stroike, KO, TKOs, Chris Dalkus in 23 seconds. I was on over one and a half. Dan was on over one and a half. I was on fight to start round two. And the only thing I have to say about this one is the Dalkus brothers are killing us the last couple of weeks. Brutal. They, they have been a family that's been really hard to read. Ultimately, we've been right the whole time when we said from the beginning that, that they were both trash. Um, but yeah, they're, they're costing us. And so I, I will say that they're heavyweights. I mean, we knew that it could go at any moment. I just didn't expect it to be one of the first. 50K to Biggie Boy. Well-deserved. But the the thing about these overs that Danny and I find ourselves on is the big heavyweights overs, you get plus money on them. Such a high percentage of the time. And the first round, more often than not, can be spent just patty-caking, feeling out range because of how dangerous they are. This one went horribly wrong. This one was embarrassing. Long-term, though, I do still love those plays. 18-year-old Raul Rosas Jr. defeats Jay Perrin via rear naked choke. 50K is going to go a long way for him, I'm assuming, Kobe. Towards that minivan for his mom. Boom. 50K for Raul Rosas Jr. And I believe Kobe, if you don't follow us on Twitter, it's a must. Kobe with the most savage tweet. Rosas Jr. caught some strays here. I believe the tweet went something along the lines of, Rosas Jr. is the real deal, but he has a brutal combinations <laughs> combination of English and looks. <laughs> I will say, though, the combination of his wrestling and his top pressure, that'll take him fucking a long way in this division. And what's crazy, too, they mentioned on the broadcast was this kid's not even done growing yet. He's very strong for 35 as is. Very strong. But the fact that if you really think about it, like he hasn't fully matured as a human being is crazy to think about. 18 Also, Jay old. Perrin's trash. I like Jay Perrin. He got into it. With, Jay Perrin was very nice. Entertained our Twitter spat a little bit. I recommended a movie. He liked to tweet. Quoted said movie. Nice guy. Jay Perrin. Hopefully he gets one more fight because Raul Rosas. Yeah, Jr. because I, I can't stop making money fading him now. You're a bastard. Charlie is a bastard, man. Okay. Now we're onto the main card, and this is where it gets real. Ilya Toporia. 50K. 
And Kobe, I'm going to give you the floor a little longer because this was the ankle lock of the week at minus. It's a candidate for bet of the year on this podcast. 145, great candidate. I, and and I, we'll, we, we will have that category in our uh, year wrap up and in our award show. This, this probably will be nominated. As it should. But go over the ankle lock game and statistics for us, Kobe, because this one, Ilya Toporia, Finishing Bryce Mitchell on the ground via arm triangle. Flawless performance out of Ilya Tapuria. What does that bring us to? Brings us to positive 48.5 units. 16 and 3 over the span of the game. Second place is at 37.47. So we've got a healthy, what, 11-point lead? 11.03 over second place. And, uh, yeah, it all comes down to the last week. We're going to have to avoid a loser. Yeah, he's going to be throwing a Hail Mary out there. And we just need to not do too high a juice. It's I've heard hard. some rumblings that both second and third place are taking Costa mm. against Amir Albazi. They're like the plus 350. That makes me feel but good. just rumblings. Just okay. rumblings. Yeah, so we'll be on that. But Kobe, one more time for the for the audience. Did you say sixteen and three? Up sixteen and three. Up forty eight point something units. Yes, he says he tres. That means nothing to me. And those three, the th- two of the three are bad bets. I mean, we're we're talking the Daukus bet. Um, which we're talking. I was just saying, which a lot of them are, are, it forces our hands because we've looked at each other and been like, there is no bet on this card for us that we love. But the we lost our friend against Josh Friend was the worst bet of the Bruno Silva against, I don't even remember who. Silva's a dumb. Another, those all three really terrible bets. Yeah. But the other 16 were damn good. Sharp as attack, this group. But Elliot Dupre advances to 13 and 13 and 0. Bryce Mitchell, 15-1, kind of 15-2. and two. But, man, dude, I think featherweights are shitting their pants to fight Elliot Zaporia so well. Sorry, Kobe. It's taking me a second to process that. Treshawn Gore, Fremd, and Daukus were the three fighters we lost on? No, Treshawn Gore beat Fremd. Oh, okay, okay. Bruno Silva. I was going to say the collective Josh skill. Oh, Bruno Silva. Still, the collective skill level of all of those guys is like a big old pink slip. Yeah. We got we got flexed on that, and it was just our hand being forced. Never once were one of those bets where we're where Danny and I are clamoring at the jaw like we were for Taporia. It's that we had to have one for that card, but we're beating a dead horse here. Anything you want to add on either of these gentlemen, Taporia, Mitchell, Mitchell? I think looked outclassed, outside. Completely. Strength on Taporia was crazy. It, I mean, Taporia just showed an all. Oh, a complete all-around domination dismantle. This was this was the three Ds. This was damage duration dominance. Oh, yeah. This this was a fun fight to watch as an Ilya Topuria fan. It was. And I would I'm dying to see who he gets next. Who it might be coming up. Drikus Duplessis versus Darren Till. Duplessis guts it out. Darren Till. I don't want to say it, but might have got caught quitting. 50K both ways here, Friday the night. Interesting. Well, so that is interesting. Yeah, the news notes here is Darren Till thinks he tore his ACL. Duplicy basically 10 8 him in the first brutally, gassed himself out. Darren Till got a 10 9 in the second. 
Erica was a pretty big live favorite midway through that second. Kobe and I were looking at that thinking it was absolutely ridiculous. That's insane to think, especially after getting 10-8. I guess they basically were betting he's going to get the finish. But Darren Till hurt his knee, and then he basically, like, pulled himself into mount. It was really weird. Like, Darren Till fell back and pulled Duplessis into mount turned around and then basically before the choke was even under the chin, he, he tapped. So look like, I don't know what Darren Till's next move is. I really don't. He looked lost in the scrambles again. You know what yeah. he should do? He is, said he uh, was away. What, he, yeah. what he should do is go and spend some time with a guy like, I don't know, uh, maybe like, a Dagestani fighter, like a, what like do you a Hamza. Have? If he goes and spends time with like a guy like Hamza, maybe he can like refine not, his wrestling skills and, and maybe look like some sort of semblance of like, you know, maybe knows what he's doing at all. He That's has what he been do. though. I don't know. Darren Till, one of the promising, I think this is, he's going to be on one of the all-time lists of promising guys that just fall from grace. Dude, remember that Stop. quote during his run where he was like, I'm going to be the first three-division champ? Yeah. And he said, like, I'm going to be the best striker the UFC's ever seen. Yeah. feel I honestly feel bad for the guy, though. I really do. He had a lot of talent, and, and he's just been beaten up. Santiago Ponzinibbio KO'd Alex Morono. Last bonus, 50K. And Ponzinibbio was down 2-0. Down on four cards too. Unbelievable over overhand right, disgusting. Puts out Morono on short notice. I guess the the way I look at it is Morono, dog. Way to take the fight. Will always be around. Ponzinibbio, thirty six, still has power. Oh yeah, Definitely and Morono showed how tough he is, and, and yeah. I don't mean tough as in like he ate a lot of shots. I mean a tough opponent to beat. He gets yeah. in your face. He doesn't give you space. He's going to outvalue you, um, and he's never going to stop. You kind of have to put him, put his lights out to win. Which is the type of guy you want, especially on these short notice catchway bouts. He was ready to go, and he, and he was always ready, came in, great performance. Hats off to Alex Morono. Okay. Co-main event, Patty Pimlet, Jared Gordon. If you listened to our video on YouTube or caught last week's episode, I was very vocal about the fact that Jared Gordon, in my opinion, is the better fighter. Jared Gordon, in my opinion, will not be subbed because he's grappling. He's a black belt in his own right. I said Jared Gordon is going to win, but if it goes to the scorecard, something sketchy might happen. Patty Pimlin's their prize. Well, Patty Pimlin won the unanimous decision 29-28. But it is being called by Ariel Hawani, the worst decision the sport's ever seen. It's been called by, there was scorecards came up from media. I think it was like 30 scorecards. 29 of them scored it for Jared Gordon with one sole guy on Patty. And I actually had a friend who was in the arena that night and said when Patty got the decision, everyone in the audience knew he lost and was booing. Sheer shock. So I've never wife, seen someone walk into the octagon with the entire arena behind them and walk out with absolutely no one rooting for them more after winning a fight than Patty Pimlet just insane asterisk around winning. But so my opinion, my question to you two, and I really want both of you to answer on this. Was there foul play? 
The it's really tough. guys were in the arena. Dana White was standing next to them for the decision, kind of indicated that they're, they'll be all right. Joe's face was utter disgust in the actual octagon. I have always been under the opinion that, that the UFC has the utmost integrity. Dana has slammed boxing for its lack thereof of integrity. But you get the Sean O'Malley decision. You now get this Patty Pimlin decision. Unanimous. Each judge had two different rounds scored for Patty. This is the first time I felt fraud. It's really hard to say that. I know that there's a lot of investigations going on right now and more so than ever. Uh, I think even than the very beginning, the credibility of this sport is at question, which sucks. And it sucks that you and I as, as huge fans of the sport are questioning it. But at some point, these questions need to be asked. And I'm even know how much good it does speculating about it. I feel, I feel the way you feel. I'm not sure that speculating gets us anywhere. I think it's just more, it's more important to keep in mind when you're betting the guys that UFC is propping up. Yeah. It's just scary. But to be fair, we've talked about this as an angle for a very long time. We talk about going to Brazil and picking Brazilian guys because they will get the nudge if it, if it really is judging. a close fight. We've talked about Texas judging. We've talked about what happens when you go um, in Asia and, and, Whatever. It, this is an angle that we've used, and we've, we've won money betting with it, this angle. It's a glaring problem with the sport, though. Like, glaring, glaring. Like, for example, as a handicapper, I took Jared Gordon at 2-1. to one. I knew that was extreme value. I took Jared Gordon live after winning the first round, plus 110. The fact that I lost both of those, even though I did everything right, Feels like the barstool guys went into my pocket and just took my money. <laughs> that's literally what it feels like. I know that's not what happened. It's just, I think you hit it on the head, Dan. You need to have that baked in when you're betting the guys the UFC is propping up. Which is counterintuitive to what a lot of betting philosophy is where you fade the public. I mean, everyone had a ticket on Patty Pitman. And for you listeners, just an update. I have officially sent in my application to the uh, Texas State Athletic Commission, um, and I am going to be certified by the end of the year as a Texas licensed judge. That's freaking awesome. That's freaking awesome. The other thing, too, one last thing I want to pull away from this, the thing that really bothered me the most, I knew Patty Pimlet was a fraud. You knew Patty Pimlet was a fraud. Kobe knew Patty Pimlet was a fraud. Now the entire world knows. And our Conor McGregor tax that was applied to Patty Pimlet, I don't think, I think if they ran this fight back, I think Jared Gordon is either a very slight dog, 120, 110, or maybe even possibly the favorite. I agree with you. So the days of Patty auto being minus 250 are behind us, and it pisses me off because it got stolen. Another thing that arguably got stolen. So Jared Gordon, for reference, was minus 300 live going into the decision. For the, uh, for the main event, Magomed Ankalaev, Jan Blachowicz. Going into the decision, Magomed Ankalaev was minus 1450 
going to the decision. It ends in a draw. Blahovich was vocal that he believed Magomed Ankalaev won. Magomed Ankalaev was vocal, was very upset with the decision. Blahovich was vocal in the octagon, but after he went back and rewatched the fight, he said that they got it right. Okay. In the, well, okay. That, that does change the opinion. I want, but you never know if his PR guy was like, are you an idiot? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're right. Okay. In the octagon though, he like even gestured towards Ankalaev as in right. Ankalaev wins, ends in a draw. What's your guy's opinion? I, I had Ankalaev. I felt like the, the, the thing that bothered me was the, that this is now a vacant division still title shot already got announced. Uh, Jeremy Hill versus Jamal, Jamal Hill Glover or Jamal Hill versus Glover Teixeira. And um, yeah, Jamal Hill. Glover. I thought everything was really weirdly handled. I admittedly was a little bit drunk at this point, so I wasn't paying closest attention to the scorecard. Um, I, I don't mind the draw in that sense, but I, like I said, I wasn't paying the closest attention. What I really minded was the way that Dana and the UFC handled um, the entire lightweight, light heavyweight division. I didn't watch that fight and think, what a shitty, terrible fight. Neither of these guys deserve anything. We need to move on. I, I was really confused by Dana's animosity in the post-fight presser. The other thing, too, that I felt was very bad practice, um, Anthony Smith found out that his – uh, Jamal Hill fight was off live on air at the UFC post show. Well, Dana has said for years, he's told people like us in every single post fight presser. I do not make fights on Saturday night. I do not make future fights on Saturday night. Do not ask me. I do not make future fights on Saturday night. Dana was, I don't know if Dana was feeling the heat from the Patty decision and what everyone was saying on social media or this or whatever, but he was very, grumpy in that post-fight interview he was pissed and yeah, he, he, he jumped all over our boy alex b Hooned yeah for asking a, a very simple question i know he did that guy got ripped i was i was watching i was like geez um also to save face i said jeremy hill because i've been looking at this card all day the old running back for the uh the old running back for the cincinnati Bengals, jeremy hill i'm selling one oh, of his one ones rookie cards so Obviously, I know who Jamal Hill is. Okay, because I see you see TikTokers all the time who like speak out their ass and they don't know what they're talking about. So I hope any new listeners, I'm not a fraud. Okay, Reese. At this point, I think they know we're just idiots and and we're not actually or we're drunk idiots that trip over our words, not idiots that don't know about fights. I'm fine. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll wear that on my forehead. One more thing, Bellator 289 took place last week. I'm only going to preview the title fights. Magomed Magomedov, Dan, fell via guillotine choke in the second round of Patchy Mix. What's your take? Patchy Mix is fucking dangerous. You give him a neck, he'll take it home. And Magomed gave him his neck twice, maybe maybe even three times. But there was the guillotine that he was in in the first round that he got out of. Um, and you can't keep making mistakes against a guy as dangerous as Patchy Mix. He will end you. He choked him out cold. First time Magomed Magomedov has ever been finished. And I wanted your opinion on it too, because Magomed Magomedov has now lost two of his last three, Rafael Stotts and Patchy Mix. And with didn't look good in the, the one in between. Enrique Barzola, I was going to say, a guillotine. And, and looked a little bit 
shaky on the scale. We're we're at a weird part of Magomed's career. Are you still a buyer on the 30-year-old Magomed Magomed all? I'm definitely not a seller. I think that at this point I'm still buying. You gotta buy the dip. You know, you know more than me. Maybe a hold. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something to note. He's not the Piotr Jan beater that he was uh, on the regional scene. No. And then also hats off to Patchy Mix. Very dangerous in his own right. I don't want to take that away from him. Very dangerous guy. So that was a great title fight. Were those the semifinals? That, I think so, that one That one was, the, I think, no, I think. So those we, are the, they could have been the quarterfinals, but we either have Stotts versus um, Patchy for the belt, or there's more fights. I'm really not sure, but. Yeah, I'm not sure. Liz Caramouche, Armbar, Juliana Velasquez. Anything you want to add? I mean, Liz Caramouche, ex-UFC event. She great. Over the she really looked phenomenal. Yeah, that she matchup. looked good. But it, to me, it just really shows the skill gap between UFC top-tier women and other regional promotions. Just there's less um, crop. You know what I mean? There's less people that they churn through. Uh, Invicta's got a good roster. PFL obviously has a good roster for 55. And then UFC kind of is the Kings there. So Liz Caramouche, I'm happy she rebounded. And, and those, just, just an update on our last point. Those were the semis. So we, we've got Patchy Mix versus Hopion Stotts for the belt in the final. Sweet. And then I actually got to meet both of these guys and watch them go at it. Rafael Stotts defeats Danny Sabatello via decision. It was split. The same judge that fucked the Patty Pimlet somehow gave Danny Sabatello 50-45. In which is, for me, the worst scorecard of the year. And it's not even close. It may, it makes legitimately negative sense. For him to drop that scorecard, get on a plane, fly from, what was it, New Jersey to Vegas, Connecticut to Vegas, Mohegan yeah. Sun, um, and then drop the Patty Pimplet 29-28 is an fired. embarrassment to this sport. It, it's bad. But Rafael Stotts looked dominant, said he was going to be dominant. And it looks like the championship for the bracket for 35 will be Stotts via their V patchy mix, which is as high level of mixed martial arts as it gets. Anything you two gentlemen want to add to that before we move to news and notes? Um, Too long of a pause. <laughs> the one thing I want to say is that although this is the last ankle pick podcast for a UFC event of the year. We may or may not be doing a bonus episode for the Ryzen V Bellator event um, at the very end of the year as we continue to bolster up our Bellator coverage. So and we also keep, will keep have posted for that. We also will have an award show and some other stuff. So just stay tapped into everything. But money in terms of making money, we, we will be giving out picks at, at the very least if we don't have a live episode. Uh, for that Ryzen V Bellator card. F yeah, we will be. All right. We need to get to UFC fight night, but first, news and notes brought to you by Country Club Sports. Country Club Kobe brings we on. We touched on a handful of these, so I'm going to be a little brief. Um, let's give a little more light to Glover versus Jamel Hill. January 21st, the very next UFC pay-per-view card for the vacant light heavyweight title. That's in Brazil, right? In yeah. Brazil for Glover. I mean, 
it's becoming it's beginning to make a lot more sense why Dana pushed for this so much. They needed a main event for that. This like this is the the respect to Glover. The um, they don't owe anything to to any fighter necessarily, but the way that Glover's had this resurgence at the end of his career, it would have been sad to see it end just by being passed over for a short notice title fight against Magomed Ankalaev, who is widely considered as one of the most dangerous guys alive. So I I'm happy that. I'm happy for Glover's sake that this fight is getting made, but I'm frustrated with kind of how it went down. Well said. Yeah. Um, all right. We have, unfortunately, I, we reported this earlier, but UFC Seoul, which is supposed to be in South Korea in February, is apparently canceled. That is now turned into a fight night card back in the Apex, UFC Vegas 68 that weekend instead. And I think that a lot of that was due to the TKZ injury. I think that they were hoping to have him headline that card, and he's unfortunately not going to be good to go by February. Um, we do have a fight announced for that card, though. Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak will be February 4th in Vegas. Interesting. So, so the reasoning is was the lack of filling out a card, not anything... I think it was a combination. I think they wanted TKZ to headline the Seoul card, and so maybe they'll come back to Seoul by the time they can get... TKZ ready to fight again. Okay. So it was nothing um, political, right? I don't believe so. I, that okay. wasn't. Related. What about like a TKZ Ilya Topuria main event? Why in would you summer? Why, why would you make TKZ die in his own home turf? Don't don't do him like that. I think that'd be a group, a huge name for Ilya to get next. No, he's gonna get Patty next. I mean, that's the that would have been the fight to make, but. Like like you said when we were breaking down the Patty fight, uh, or recapping the Patty fight, the value's gone. That's a fight that was supposed to be even, and now we're getting minus three hundred on Ilya Tapuria, and it's ridiculous. Man, the even I would have put. It would have been even if not. Patty might have been a favorite if you I make that matchup at two. I would have literally put all of it. Keep Talk it about a missed opportunity. Joel Alvarez and Zubaira Tukugov will be the following week at UFC 284 in Perth. That's oh, a wow. sweet fight. I'm going to be honest. Card. Yeah, it is a sweet fight. I, I like uh, Yoel there quite a bit. I agree with you. Here's a beast, though. Cody Garbrandt making his return. The following pay-per-view will be March 4th, UFC 285 against Julio Arce. And he's oh. out in, in Dagestan cross-training with Team Khabib right now. So, I obviously... Cody is? Co- yeah, Cody's out uh, in Dagestan. But obviously, his chin's been his main problem. But I do I, – I am excited to see a Cody 2.0 version. That guy's always been a nuts athlete. He's always been a really terrific boxer. Let's see if he can – I do not like that matchup for him, though. That's no, that's no get back on track, give me matchup. Julio Arce is a dog, dude. He's a dog, and he likes to strike and stand and bang, and it, 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 he's a dog. Cody's a dog, too. Cody is a dog. Cody is a dog, but. Um, Look, he's a dog, too. You don't say that. <sighs> the following weekend after Perth, I'm sorry, not after Perth, after the whatever the next UFC 285 is, so we're talking – March 11th, 
We're back in Vegas for the UFC, but it was announced that it's not in the Apex. It's at the Virgin Hotel Theater. So we're going to have a fight night card there. That one was supposed to be headlined by Anthony Smith, Jamel Hill. Obviously, that's not happening. Um, I'm looking at Tapology now, and it looks like we definitely don't have main card fights for that one yet. But Cedric Dumas and Abu Azatar. And then Lucas Bresky and Carl Williams are the only two fights announced on that one. But happening in Vegas. Cedric Dumas. What happened to Cedric Dumbe? He was supposed to fight in France and just never yeah. just never did. Sorry, I that was that's a complete all, tangent. That, that's all I know. Um Kobe, do you know you're my you're my Vegas guy? Do you know is the Virgin is that on the strip? Is this nope. like it's it's closer to the airport than the strip? It used to be the hard rock. No. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, are fans in attendance? Yep. They have a capacity of like 6,000, which is, you know, 5,000 more than the Apex and much less than T-Mobile. Used to be the Hard Rock. That's where uh, Tupac was the night he died. He was gambling, pissing people off, doing, yes. doing all where I was stuff. The moment I turned 21, I was in the Hard Rock Casino. You and Tupac. One of you died that night. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, one more fight to announce and one more last piece of news, but March 18th in London, UFC 286, just announced today, Marvin Vittori and Roman Delizze. Oh, wow. Banger of a fight. That is a banger of a fight. Wow. I don't even know who I like there. I mean, I assume. I mean, Marvin's going to be favored. I assume. Roman is a live dog. And that's Roman's actually, a live dog versus anyone in the world. You put Roman in a like in a fist fight with Nganu and Pavlovic at the same time. I'm saying that Roman's got a chance. Roman, with the way he rolls, he, he might have a chance. Last piece of news: UFC returning to San Antonio, Texas, March 25th. Unfortunately, I won't be able to be in attendance, but I think that you guys, at least one of you will be there. I will certainly be in the building. Uh, come say hi if you're a listener. Um, hopefully, Reese will be there and maybe Parker, if we can convince Parkito to make the trip. He had a lot of fun at UFC Austin, so it's on the board. That's all I got. Okay. I, I think it's safe to say we can move on to UFC Fight Night 2. 12 or 276 is what I think. UFC Vegas 66. Okay, UFC Vegas 66 in the Apex this Saturday. Mm -hmm. The card starts at 3 p.m. Should be done around that like 9-ish time. So get ready for an early bed. A little bit of an early one, Reese. Yeah, it's a little bit. Not as bad as it's been, but it's a little bit. That'll be a nice uh, mixture of sports now that there's no college football and we've got some Saturday NFL to go with our violence. I will say, too, something that's going to get a lot of juices flowing. This is a stacked card top to bottom. This The second fight on this card is crazy, but this curtain jerker, Sergey Morozov versus Journey Newsom. Sergey Morozov in the curtain jerker? Anyway, crazy. he's minus 300 here. Journey Newsom plus 250. Sergey Morozov opened at minus 200, and it, it's, it, it came down hard to 250. It actually came back up into the 230s and now back down all the way to 300. Um, look, my opinion on this is Journey Newsom is – I feel like we Green. haven't seen 
we haven't seen an, enough of him. He's only had a couple UFC fights, all maybe once a year max. And he got finished by Randy Costa, a guy who has shown little to no promise after that said knockout. And Morozov, to me, I know he had a bad outcome against Douglas De Silva Andraj. I know he had a bad uh, outcome against Umar Nurmagomedov, but so does everybody. But I think like the Julian Paivas of the world, even the Kali Tahas of the world are, are probably a step up from Journey Newsome. I don't want to pay the minus 300, but I would be shocked if Morozov didn't win. Yeah, I, I am hesitant to even throw him in parlays, though, because of like what you said with the uh, Douglas Silva de Andrade fight. He's a guy that, and even the Paiva fight, Morozov as well-rounded and as good of a wrestler as he is um he fights close fights and he tends mm-hmm. to fight down to his opponent's skill level which is a tough trend or trait to have um i do think that he's got all the advantages here newson's a boxing transition guy he's, it's still not still doesn't have that instinct when it comes to mma that guys like morozov have um it's just a tough spot to be backing a minus 300 guy that tends to fight down and start slow. I couldn't agree more to what you're saying. I mean, Morozov most likely is the spot here, but any value that you had on the skill differential has come and gone. He was 10 times more skilled than Douglas Silva de Andrade. Wanted to get into the firefight, didn't want to wrestle, gassed, and got knocked out. And Journey Newsom is a guy who also kind of stands in the pocket, has a lot of power, very built. Like he's kind of like a little muscle hamster. So I, I think a, a layoff is really the only way to play that one. David Dvorak, 20 and four, taking on Manel Cape. A lot of people have him, Cape, being poised as the future belt holder of this division. And the line suggests the same Cape minus 250, David Dvorak plus 210. It opened at uh, Kate minus 160 and has got former rising belt holder came into the UFC with a whole lot of hype. Um, dropped his first two really at his own fault, just yeah. And and the Pantoja one, Pantoja in particular, you can't be mad about because he arguably should be fighting for a belt. Yeah, well, I was about to say, yeah, Pantoja's at the top of the division, and Matus is a very, very skilled fighter. Um, has a win over Dvorak, too. But honestly, I think that that win over Dvorak is playing into this line a little too much. Mm. I think that if that fight goes the other way or even is a little bit different, um, if one of those Nikolau punches don't sting Dvorak, Dvorak wins, and, and we're looking at a very differently lined fight with one in front of it and whatever. I, I do think that there's a lot of value here on the Dvorak side. Um, he's got a great calf kick game. Um, he's just, he's a, he's a very well-rounded fighter. And I think that his use of kicks is going to slow down a guy like Cape, who has been a victim of having low output in the past. And if you stifle the power of a guy who's low output, it's not a great recipe. Gas tank too, for Dvorak, if he can endure maybe the first round, the jumping knee attacks, the power punches, it could be one of those. 10-9 10-9 in the first for Cape, and then Dvorak just climbs back from sheer volume. 
So are you going to have a play here, Dan? I'm going to play Dvorak. It's probably okay. not going to be huge. Um, the biggest I would go is probably 2X, but uh, there will be a play on my on my board for David Dvorak. Yeah, I'm, I might be passing. I, I don't know. that it, It's close. If, if I had to pick a side, though, due to – with the line, it, 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 I lean the Dvorak side. Brian Battle, take it on Renat Fakhardinov. And Fakhardinov, I imagine, is a sizable favorite here. He's, it's not as large as you would think. It, you're right, it's not. He's minus 145. Brian Battle, plus 125. The line opened at Fakhardinov, minus 150. And it basically went from minus 150 to even. So the December 13th, 14th, you could have gotten this at even, or December 12th. And by the time we're recording today on the 15th, is at the one, it's back at like the 150, 145 marker. Heard a lot of chatter on battle also on Twitter. In what regard? People wanting to bet him. Really? It's an interesting matchup. We saw Renat get a lot, a lot of hype um, coming in and ultimately show that he's a great wrestler. He has great top control, but not much else. And Battle, as much as I've been wrong about him, has proven to be someone with elite cardio. That's what, for me, his best weapon. But someone that has great footwork, someone that is a decent wrestler in terms of takedown defense, and I think someone who's going to be by far the better striker. Well, the thing with battle that I love is he was the last pick on the ultimate fighter. He consistently proved everybody wrong, beat Andre Petrovsky. If there was a line for that fight and it wasn't on the show, Petrovsky would have been minus 300 plus and wins, wins against Gilbert Urbina on short notice. Then Trayshawn Gore comes in and you got to remember these fights are at 85. Brian battle uh, conditioned himself, looked, lost a lot of that extra weight. Fighting at 170 now. Is this fight at 170 or 185? This is 70. So you're going to have a guy whose frame is significantly bigger. And I actually max bet him against Takashi Sato. And I didn't even have the opportunity to sweat it out because he finished him so instantly. So my initial reaction would be Renat Fakhardinov is going to kind of wet blanket him, you know, just smother Mm -hmm. him on the back. Wrestle fuck. So – I guess, Dan, can you play devil's advocate? Is there a way that you can tell me that won't happen? You know, I, I'm going to stay away from this one with my own money. Okay. But what I'll tell you is a realistic path to victory is battle stuffs a few takedowns and all of a sudden we're not, not in his own uh, whatever department. His domicile, the three D's. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, that it, I think that if battle can stay on his feet, he touches Dr. Dino Bob. But that's a big if. Yeah, really big if. This is really going to be an interesting one because obviously the welterweight division stacked and deep, but these guys are those guys that are kind of like on the outside of that top 20 area, top 25. And this really will have an impact on their trajectory because they're both, I imagine, are pretty high level as far as prospects go, very highly regarded. So that this is an underrated banger. I'm excited to see the outcome. Every time I see this name, I think Misha Tate. Kobe, you mind taking a stab at this? Is it Ma or Danny Ma? I, I think Masate. What is it? Masate. So Misha Tate versus no Mahashate versus Hafa Garcia. 
Mahashate is plus 115. Hafa Garcia minus 135. Opened at Hafa Garcia, Mahashate minus 110 each way. So it was a pick em. And if you want to call it sharp money, seems to be on the side of Hafa Garcia. I tend to agree with the movement, I think. Wow. And that's not easy saying I'm about to go back Hafa Garcia in the most. in Especially the most- as someone who lost money on that Gritzmacher fight. Which is I, so it, dumb that that happened. R- ridiculously, ridiculously a bad loss on so, the record. Is it the age factor? Is it the experience factor? Is it a stylistic factor? I mean, Hoffa Garcia leans on his wrestling and he has more fights in the UFC by a good margin. It's like five. It's a stylistic factor for me. Okay. Um, Masajate is a great striker, uh, very young, very promising. He's big for lightweight. Um, I don't think Rafa's going to give him room. And when Rafa has cardio to back up his game plan of dog after a bone, not giving you space, lean on you, move forward, pressure, pressure, takedown, multiple takedowns in every fight. If that cardio holds up, that's an unbelievable recipe to stifle a guy who's green and only really has one path to victory in this in the striking realm it's just weird because if you're losing to nazrat who i obviously is very talented but more from a stylistic standpoint the gritzmacher loss is hard to brush over the gritzmacher one i think i've thrown out not i think for my okay. personal just analysis an i threw it out yeah it's an outlier is the only time we saw his gas tank just drop out absolutely drop out um, but yeah. I think he outperformed the number both against Nasrat and Drakkar close. He smoked Jesse Ronson. Yeah. Um, Would have been a weight issue. Natan like Levy. Yeah. Natan Levy had a ton of issues. Really didn't get anything off in that fight. We saw how dangerous that guy is. Yeah. I, I think right. that Rafa's I, I think, got a good yeah. price. So are you going to be on the Rafa side? I think I will be. Okay. Similarly to um, – what was it that I said before the Dvorak? It's going to be small, yeah. probably not multiple units, but I will be on the Rafa side. I'm so, so far. Certain. I have I have not had a play. Dan smells too. Saeed Nurmagomedov taking on Sayubakov Kakramanov. Kakramanov is minus one twenty. Saeed, plus 100. Dan stole the point on set the spread for me. I had Saeed as a sizable favorite. Saeed opened at minus 150. Kakramanov has gotten all the action. I have taped this one thoroughly, and I have not come to the side of Kakramanov. I have come to the side of a pass. I think both of these gentlemen are way too dangerous to comfortably back a set side. It's a fun stylistic matchup. It is. It is. Do you have a lean here? My lean is the Kakramanov side. I agree with the way that the line has moved. I'm not going to play this one. Um, the lean is more so on the stylistic matchup of I would take the grappler over oh, the striker. Yeah. And as much as Saeed has the name Nurmagomedov, he doesn't have that Nurmagomedov fight style. Um, he's more along the line of like, Spin kicks. Yeah, like Dag yeah. Fighter, like Zabit. Um, Mar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and he's really dynamic, really creative, a lot of different weapons in that striking realm. Um, 
he'll have more output. But I do think that Kakramanov is by far the better wrestler. And I think he's really strong. But like Stamen was a wrestler, got guillotined. But Ronnie Lawrence is a wrestler and got ragdolled by Kakramanov. I think that we're we're seeing some levels. Ronnie Lawrence is a guy I was all about. And I was excited to back going forward. Um, Kakramanov made him look like he didn't belong. Yeah, which is no easy feat. So it ultimately is a pass for you as well? Yeah, it's ultimately a pass. Okay. Julian Marquez against Duran Wynn. The fact that this is ahead of This one got canceled. Oh. Yeah, we don't need to. Canceled today. Oh, it's on topology. Duran Wynn had an accident in the PI today where he fell down some stairs. and. Yeah, he said he fainted and fell down some stairs. Okay, so. Or in that same post. Maybe he fainted down the stairs. I stepped in a puddle today and I was like, I am having the worst day today. Well, Duran win takes the cake. Uh, hope he does. I hope he recovers. Um, and then well, I just thought it wasn't some ice. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So maybe a Mario Kart banana peel. No. So Duran win Julian Marquez, ignore me. That is off. We'll move up to Jake Matthews versus Matt Senzelberger. And this one's also kind of a banger, but I would be shocked. Yeah. Jake Matthews minus two eighty. Matthew Senzelberger plus 235. Jake Matthews opened at minus 220 and has been smashed. Look, I've been high on Jake Matthews for a while, the Celtic kid. And a lot of people weren't. And I think the Andre Fialo fight was the best performance I've ever seen out of him. Was a crazy coming out party. And when you look on the flip side of Senzelberger, you're looking at a guy who has a very a very you there is a clear path to victory to beat him and Alex Morono exploited that just recently so I think Jake Matthews could be a play at 280 I never advise laying you know 300 to win 105 or 110 or whatever I think you can comfortably parlay this piece though Dan I will I agree probably with you yeah I'll have um, money on Jake Matthews in some way shape or form the spot that I'm looking at more so is the over two and a half. I think that we see Jake Matthews get back to his roots. He's someone that came into this sport. I mean, you know this, but he's he's someone that came into the sport with a huge grappling foundation and is really just starting to put everything together with his striking. Obviously, he looked unreal versus Fialo, but Fialo is one of those guys we kind of sniffed out as he's here because he's dangerous. One punch, knockout power, beat some bums on short notice, but has he ever really been UFC level? And whatever that striking performance was awesome but it doesn't tell me that jake matthews is an elite striker i think that he wrestles here i think that he gets back to his bread and butter dominates semmelsberger in the wrestling department but i think that because of that semi is also a very capable jujitsu practitioner we're not going to get a sub i like the over two and a half sitting at minus 150 um see and i think that'll be on my card i i don't love that from an aspect of i think both of these men are dangerous Semselberger is massive for 170 like absolutely massive and although he only has two finishes out of his you know couple three four UFC wins half finishes but they're first round right crosses I mean it is Jason Witt Martin Sano but he has the power and then Jake Matthews obviously has the ability to finish on the feet and on the ground. I don't hate the play, 
I think both of these guys best path to victory usually is on this leans, the side of unanimous decision. It's just scary for me to pay the 150 on two guys who are, who are dangerous. They're capable. But if you're, you. if your read is correct and it's just iron sharpening iron in the grappling standpoint, people staying in guard for a little bit, both of these guys are good enough at jujitsu to not get subbed. Both these guys are good enough at wrestling to, to get up, maybe work it back down, sit in the clinch for a while. And if that's the case, Dan, you're going to have a sweat free ticket, which is very possible. You just don't I like a lot of the dogs and a lot of the overs on this card. You just don't want to see weird. It's a weird combo. You don't want to see the standing and banging, Dan. If Senzelberger and Jake Matthews just sit there in the pocket. If I'm wrong about Jake Matthews' approach here, yeah, I'm way wrong about this bet. And, and that's worth disclaiming, I think. But you could be dead on. It could be the easiest ticket, too. We'll see. All right. Prelim capper. Mary Velismus, Cheyenne Velismus, or Cheyenne Bays, formerly known as RIP. Cheyenne Delidze. Cheyenne Delidze, also known as. Uh, is taking on Corey McKenna, Team Alpha Male Prodigy. Ugh. And nothing against Corey McKenna, everything against Team Alpha Male. Mary Vlismas, minus 180. Corey McKenna, plus 155. Is opened, like at Mary, side. It's opened at Mary Vlismas, plus 125, Dan. And it's gotten smashed. I, I don't think I said at the beginning of the year, you won't catch me dead betting a woman's favorite. And I almost made it at the end of the year. I think I'll be on Vlismas here. I yeah. love the Vlismas side. Um, I don't see her getting taken down multiple times. And that's the only way Corey McKenna is going to win this fight. Look, Corey McKenna's undersized 23 and trains a team alpha male. You, I'm, yes. I, I'm, it's going to be Mary Vlismas for all and to all a good night. Mary, it's the holiday season. We're all going to have a great Vlismas. But the other thing, too, is assuming outside of, you know, intimacy, she's rolled around with Delete, say, she could have some new tricks up that sleeve, too. She might not get. Uh, she is herself a very capable grappler. Um, in the Montserrat Ruiz fight, yeah, obviously, awesome, yeah, those head and arm throws were just something that she did not have an answer for. Um, but it wasn't like. It wasn't exactly traditional wrestling that that got the job done or that got right. her to the mat. I don't see Corey McKenna having the same kind of success getting Cheyenne Vlismas. The other thing, too, is just the size. Ruiz is so much stronger. It, it, McKenna is someone who could be fighting at Adam if the UFC had it. You know, she's small. And her reach is, like, tiny, tiny. She's a T-Rex yeah. out there. Yeah, and then – add the team alpha male i i might find myself on mary Vlismas too but small because she's a home wrecker and that's a thing cody brundage dan's favorite ankle lock i believe against michelle olizicek it was no yeah wait it what cody brundage wasn't the one who fucked us or was it no he didn't fuck us we bet him against gore and he got oh. the knockout Oh, okay. I don't think we ankle locked it. Oh, okay, okay. I thought he fucked this. No, Cody Brundage. Another Terry Gore fight, Josh Friend. My friend, and they have the same build. My bad. Cody Brundage is in good standings with the ankle pickers. Cody Brundage versus Michelle Olizia And Michelle 
is minus 275. Cody Brundage plus 230. Line opened at Michelle Olizia's check, minus 225. So 10% movement in that direction. Uh, 225 now sits at 275. And I'm going to be honest, that surprised me, all of it. Yeah. Um, stylistically, they're favoring the striker over the grappler significantly. Yep. Uh, and, 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 can and, wrestle. and Michelle is a phenomenal striker. The thing is, and it's always been the thing, he's disgustingly undersized for middleweight. I mean, and his cardio probably, is not 100%. He, it's, it's questionable. He, he probably walks around at 85. Legitimately. And I actually, I don't know if I ankle locked it, but I definitely bet Dustin Jacoby against him from a size perspective, even though stylistically, obviously, Jacoby's going to stand and bang there. But Cody Brundage is definitely a live dog. I'm not saying I'm running out there to bet him, but he is definitely a live dog. Was that was that Jacoby fight when uh, Jacoby fought, like, injured? Like, he didn't throw a single kick? I can't remember. I think it was last March. I can't remember. The fight that was did, a weird fight. Yeah, that was a weird fight. I'm, so, on, the, I'm on the Brundage yeah. side, too. Yeah, Brundage, Brundage is, in my opinion, the, the, the only – real play here i would be shocked if someone confidently was betting michelle an undersized striking middleweight at that i do think he's the more dangerous fighter if, if this For is sure. going to be 15 minutes of striking i, I think want my money on the oleg jaychuk side yeah. but it's a mixed martial arts fight and cody brunch could wrestle not yeah, think, not entirely elite wrestler but he could wrestle I think when you say skill set too, not just striking, but just skill sets in general, like Olisiacek is probably the better overall mixed martial artist. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. It's more just like six foot, 72 inches of, and he's muscular as shit. I guess, dude, Olisiacek is six foot, 74 inches. It honestly might not, it might just be a muscular thing. Brundage just might be like stronger, but the size itself isn't actually there. That's interesting. I don't know. I'm not paying the juice on the, on the uh, Michelle side. So potentially a Brundage spot. Yeah. And it's not sniffing a parlay either. No, absolutely not. Drew Dober, Bobby Green. That's going to be an underrated banger. Drew Dober minus 150, Bobby Green plus 130. Drew Dober opened at 110 each way. And the betters have smashed it in his favor. I get pretty good reads on Bobby Green. His head movement is very unique, unlike any other. Very, very good distance management. And he has a a hard style to train for because his hands are always at his hips. He throws at weird angles. Drew Dober on the other side, obviously we know what he's all about. He's game. He's got a granite chin. He stands in the pocket. His Muay Thai is terrific. Muay Thai is terrific. Trains at elevation. Yeah. Capable grappler. The way I look at it is I think this one goes over. I think this one is a decision. And I think that Drew Dober lands the harder shots with more volume. Bobby Green's 36. Um, I guess Drew Dober is 34. But, yeah, I I, I lean the Dober side, and I might find myself there. I also like the over. For some reason, I tend to to lean Bobby Green. And I, I agree with you that. Exactly like you said, Bobby Green volume, Dober bigger moments. Dober's going to have the power. Dober's probably going to 
make more of a statement in the judge's eyes. Bobby Green is game. Guys Yo. like Fazeev failed to get Bobby's respect through a 15-minute fight. Bobby's- yeah, I, and, I, and I called that, but this is a different type of strike because Fazeev works at range, and that's where Bobby Green's best because he relies on head movement. I think Drew Dober is going to try to cut the cage off and, and, and make it so that Bobby Green's head movement doesn't even matter. I'm going to, I'm keeping you in a, a square, the size of a phone booth. And that'll be a tough spot for Bobby to be in. I also want to mention he's, that he's a guy who fights close fights with guys better than him consistently. And I'm not so also, sure that Drew Dober is also, on the same level as a, as a he also fights Fazeev, Tiago Moises, Nasrat, Islam. Down. He's a guy who almost lost to Clay Guida. I mean, he fights down. He's willing to – if he gets taken down, he will sit on the bottom. Like, Bobby Green is not a guy who's gunning for the title. He's gunning to just fight. And that's fine. But, like, it's similar to Kevin Holland in my mind. I think that if he gets taken down by Dober, let's say, he might accept that bottom position. I'd love that because I will be on the over in this one. Yeah, so over um, two You look and at half. a guy like Bobby Green, and to knock him out, you have to be Dustin Poirier. He's the only guy in the world who's ever knocked him out. Yeah. So I don't think that Drew Dober does. No, Drew Dober does not. He's over – the over two and a half is minus 180, and the fight to go to decision is minus 150 over on DraftKings. Do you have a preference? I'll probably be on the two and a half, like the 175, 180. Yeah, 180. Okay. Can't hurt. Okay, this is a battle of I don't even know what. Alex Caceres is fighting Julian Arosa at 145. Juicy J Arosa minus 170. Alex Caceres plus 145. This opened to Ju- Juicy J Arosa minus 150. I mean, stylistically speaking, this is just like long, rangy, ultimate fighter veteran squaring off. That's what this is. Yeah, I really, really struggle to get any kind of read on this. Um, Both of these fighters aren't people who I think have any shot at climbing the ranks and and really challenging for a title ever. Um, I do think that the Juicy J performance against Dawadu was maybe the best performance I've ever seen from him. And so you can either... You can either take that as some recency bias going into this line, or you can take this as, oh, we've got a new version of Juicy J. And against a guy with as many question marks as Alex Caceres, I can't bring myself to land on either of those. I'm This is a total pass for me. Um, Maybe the over. I I know I keep saying the overs and then the dogs tonight, but maybe the over. I I don't see either guy getting a finish. Over two and a half minus 175, fight to go decision plus or minus 150. So very similar to the last one. I think that it, I do think that if someone were to get finished, it would be Juicy J finishes Alex Caceres. Power's on Juicy J's side, but grappling's on Alex Caceres' side. Juicy J also has a little bit of that, like Dom Cruz or even a little bit of Bobby Green, like hands by his side, footwork, weird movement. Like, what if he just, like, walks into a kick? I, I don't know. Like, to me, possible. there's so many questions about so this possible. fight, and I've got no answers. I've got yeah, this, no answers. This is like a battle of guys who are masters of none. 
You know what I mean? It's like they're just good. Very and, much. That's a great call. Their masters are not. They're just good, kind of just good. I mean, Juicy J's had a great resurgence. He got cut by the UFC, and then he's come back and has looked great. I lean the Juicy J side, not dying to pay 180 juice. I'm passing. Yeah. Amir Obazi is taking on Aless- Aless- Alessandro Costa at flyweight, and Amir Obazi is minus 410. Costa plus 330. Dan's rumors might be correct. We'll see. The way I look at it is this, and it's it's simple, really. You have a guy in Amir Bazi who is probably the best or close to the best jiu-jitsu practitioner on the entire roster. Do you disagree with me? You made a face. I, I did make a face. I just I didn't peg him as that. You think so? Just from him running through Frankie Fig and he's a world champion jiu-jitsu practitioner. Amir Bazi is. It's I don't I I'm not sure about the entire roster. Well, irregardless, his grappling prowess then for 25ers. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not don't take this as me not saying that he's terrific. He's an incredible jujitsu practitioner. I reacted to maybe the best on the roster. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Best on the rock roster was hyperbolic, but let me ask you a question. What is Costa's path to victory? If there is one. It's. This this is tough to say because it's going to sound like. I'm not doing my due diligence as a handicapper. I didn't watch the tape, but his best path to victory is this fight is at 125. There's a whole lot of variability there. And maybe he catches Amir Albazi because like you said, I don't think Costa subs him. I don't think that it's it's any kind of accumulation of anything that causes Albazi to lose this fight. But this is the most dangerous sport and in a half a second, your lights could be out. And so that that's what I'll tell you is the most realistic path to victory. Um, I don't see that happening this weekend specifically. Mm. So obviously four tens out of question, but. You know, what's crazy Reese is I'm looking at the over again. Okay. Yeah. I mean, 125 is always safe. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're going to place an over, 125 is the best spot to do it. Not to mention, we've got ourselves a little bit, not quite, but a little bit of heavyweight number here. There are people like you that are looking at Amir Bazi just running through uh, Malcolm Gordon and running through Frankie Figueredo, and they think he's going to get his hands on Costa and find the sub. And if he doesn't, he should be better at striking. And we've got a one and a half over with a minus 170, minus 180. Yeah, so, I mean, it's the sub threat from Amir. Mm-hmm. It 100% is. And I think that that's a little bit overblown. I do think that a guy that's as capable as Costa is just not going to be as capable as Costa in the jujitsu is not going to be run through in that department. I like the over one and a half years, seven and a half minutes of flyweight fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Especially given the fact that their scrambles are crazy. You have a Brazilian on the other side. I'm shocked it's at one and a half. I instantly assumed two and a half. Okay, co-main event, but the best fight on the card. 
Armin Srukian versus Demir Ismagulov, 18 and three versus 24 and one. And they're killing me with this. We need five rounds of this fight. How is this not the main event? We need five rounds of this fight. Yeah, it should be the main event. Absolute robbery. Armin you think Sean Strickland and Jared want to fight for five rounds? No, those guys are fine fighting three. Yeah, they are. Come on. We got robbed. Armin Srukian minus 190. Demir Mugulov plus 160. Armin Srukian opened at minus 225, so it's come down. It has seen as high as... No, uh, 225 is the highest it's been. It got as low as like the 160s, but it's peaking at, back at around 190. I mean, for me, Dan, you know where I'm at on this. It's the same place I'm always at with Armin. All right, so you lose to Mateusz Gomrod. I scored it for him, though. And you lose to Islam Makachev, and you lose your first fight ever or your second fight ever. Okay, great. Cool. Demiris Magulov. Obviously, extremely talented in his own right. Very rangy fighter. Very long for lightweight. I get it. I would be shocked if Amir or Armin, if Armin doesn't just wrestle fuck the shit out of him. I would be shocked. I'm going to be honest. I started where you are. Oh, no. I'm not playing this. Don't don't take this as okay. a okay. As I'm a, not playing it either. Whatever. Okay. Um, but I'm I'm really leaning towards the Demir side on at this number, and and here's what I'll lay out for you. I agree with everything you said. Armin is the real deal. Armin's losses are extremely forgivable yep. forgivable against the best talent that there is at his division. Period. Okay. So far, so good. We agree. Demir is also terrific and specifically terrific when it comes to the grappling and what we saw in that Matus fight now 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 how do you say that that he's not the same kind of do we lose Reese we did lose Reese but keep going on Demir yeah he's not the same kind of top pressure wet blanket Dagestani style uh that we're used to in terms of grappling but in a situation here where I do favor him in the stand-up I think that he's more than capable of scrambling with Armin in the same way that Matus was um, and, and having his moments. And, and I think that if this fight is standing for 15 minutes, Demir will win. And obviously that's a huge if against one of the best grapplers in the world in Armin Sarukhan, huge if. But I think we learned from Matus and then succinctly from, not succinctly, but uh, what's the word that means like then after? from uh, the Darius fight is that maybe we weren't watching the two best grapplers in the world at 155 uh, in Armin versus Matush. And maybe that there is another level that Armin needs to get so to. It's so hard to believe. And Armin's reaction to losing to Matus is unlike I've ever seen before. It was sheer disappointment. I wouldn't be surprised if he slept in the gym for the next four and a half weeks. I, I just look like, I, I think that the price tag is off. I will absolutely give you that, but I don't think, I don't think Demir has faced one iota of the type of grappling he's about to. I am just not so sure of that. He's a guy who absolutely ran through Joel Alvarez, ran through Tiago Moises, ran through, I won't say ran through, um, 
Beat Garam. Rafael Alves. He's a very dangerous fighter that fights in a lot of close fights. You're going to give me double my money in a, in a department Take where it. I do think, I do Take think it. that if this fight, and it's, I said this to Kobe, it's a huge if. Demir wins this fight if it's a striking battle for 15 minutes. Yeah. I think that he can scramble well enough to stay on his feet for long enough. Take it. And it's scaring me off the Armin side. If I was here to pick winners, Take I'd it. be all over Armin. Take I was it. Here to, I'm here to find value. Okay. So t- I want to see on bettipsmma.dankwagers slash longhorns, I want to see Demir at plus, I mean, plus one six. You, you may see it. You may see it. I won't be goaded into it right now. But, um, <laughs> I, I do think that there's a ton of value on the Demir side. And if I was picking a winner, I would pick the Armin side. But Demir's got real paths to victory. He's as tough as they come. He's hard to take down and keep down. And he's he's very capable wherever this fight goes. Okay. I, I don't disagree that he's capable wherever this fight goes. I just think that, like, kind of like what we say all the time, there are levels to this. And I hold the Armin in such a high regard. It feels like a gift when there's not a two in front of his name. This might have been right before you log back on. But uh, in terms of those levels, did you reevaluate anything um, after watching Matouche fail to take down Benny Darius? Like, in genuinely fail. Had zero success grappling yeah. Benny. And we saw we saw yeah. Armin and, and Matus go back and forth like they were absolute titans in the scrambling department. And we thought that we did. And I, I'm saying me, I thought that that was the best grappling performance and the highest level of grappling that lightweight has to offer. And then all of a sudden, Benny Darius is saying not even close. Yeah, I that is a good point. Um, and I don't even really have an answer for you, honestly. I, I It could be just as simple as. Dariush presents a different style. It could right. be. No, some, you're right. It could yeah. be as, as simple as that. But I, I look at these numbers and I like this is, is Magulov side. Okay. And I can, I respect that. Main event, Jared Cannonier is taking on Sean Strickland, arguably the soundbite king. The line is minus 110 on the dot each way. And it fits a lot with what Danny and I have kind of been saying, even on set the spread is it's like, there's so many different ways that each of these gentlemen can win. It opened at Jared Kennedy minus 150. It's now even money. It's an absolute pick them. So I'm going to ask you, Dan, pick one, pick them. Who, who do you like? To, uh, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with my breakdown. Okay. Because you've got Sean Strickland, who's just impossible to trust. He loves okay. to fight. He's yeah. a fighter's fighter. He's a maniac. He doesn't game plan. He has very low fight IQ. He's a maniac. He's going to engage in a firefight. He will take this fight to wherever Jared wants to take the fight because he's, like you said, he's a maniac. Okay. But I think I lean the Strickland side. He's going to get in Jared's face. He's going to have more volume. He's not going to be affected by Jared punching. I think that we're getting a little bit of some recency bias value here because of the Pereira fight. No one's standing in front of Pereira for 15 minutes without eating a left hook. And, and I know that it looked brutal because Sean looked brutal that night. 
But Jared Cannonier is not Alex Pereira in no, no way, shape, yeah. or form. He's just not. Um, and I don't expect this to fight to ha- take any grappling. Um, I do expect it to be on the, the feet the whole time. And I lean the volume of Sean Strickland at even money. Does grappling come into play? I don't think so at all. And that's, that's okay. part of what, where my yeah. lean is. I, I'm not excited to bet this one. I probably won't play it in all honesty. Sure. I think I'll just watch the last fight of the year and hope for a knockout, hope for violence. But um, I do lean the Strickland side. I'm, I can get behind that. If there's no grappling involved, no clinch work, Sean Strickland is more technical and and I, I would be shocked if he didn't piece him up on the feet. I'm also not super worried about Cannoneer's power or output. And so I think that if it does go to the cards, which the lack there of power kind of makes you think, I, I, I think Strickland's style leans to getting that done. So I, I'm with you. I think I'm team Strickland here. Plus, I think that, Let's say the optics of that Pereira fight weren't as bad. Let's say it's a whatever, 30, yeah. 24, 10, 3, 10, 8 round, and Alex Pereira dominates him but doesn't get the finish. I think Strickland's like a minus 150 favorite. I minus agree. 145. Yeah, I agree. Closer to where it opened. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree. So, Dan, best bets on the card. I mean, this card's not great for locks. I don't know if we really zoned in on any. I'm on a lot of overs. I'm on yeah. a lot of dogs. Um, I will certainly be on Dvorak, Hoffa Garcia. Um, no. Probably an over in the Matthews for small, an over for Caceres or Rosa for larger. Um, and then maybe, maybe a sprinkle on Demir. But that, that one doesn't feel it. Like you're alluding to, it really doesn't feel good. And you don't feel like a winner betting against Armin Sarukyan. I know we cast our Gamrot tickets with similar logic, but he's 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 a baller. That guy is as good as they come. Okay, I I could get behind that. I think I'm Ian right now. Armin, if the number gets a little better, Jake Matthews in some way, shape, or form, and. Outside oh, and Blissmas. I forgot to add Blissmas. Oh, Blissmas, too. She'll be on my card in some way, shape, or form. Blissmas. All right. Well, Dan and I will get to the kitchen and cook up an ankle lock. Until a really then, important ankle lock. A very important ankle lock. Until then, feel free to follow us on all forms of social, and especially, especially TikTok, or not TikTok, Twitter, because of the fact that that is where the juice will be. All plays will be over on Twitter which coincides with the links to betmma.tips. Our third-party tracker. And and while you're watching, please, please like, hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. It really does mean a ton to us. It helps with the algorithm a crazy amount. Um, and, yeah, we, we really appreciate y'all's support. Yeah, and we notice every single one. I mean, we went up two subscribers the other day, and Dan and I still haven't stopped talking about it. So good stuff. Appreciate y'all. Kobe, hit us with the Koha. Well, more content to come later in the year. We're not done this year. We've got plenty more coming, so stay tuned. And in the meantime, oh, wow.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.